I feel sure that it would not be a bad thing for Stanley. He will soon get to be useful to me, and in three or four years will be a valuable assistant. Speaking Hindustani as well as he does, he won't be very long in picking up enough of the various dialects in Kathy and Chittagong for our purpose, and by twenty he will have a share of the business, and be on the highway towards making his fortune. It will be infinitely better than anything he is likely to find in England, and he will be doing a man's work at the age when he would still be a schoolboy in England. I have spoken to him about it. Of course he does not like leaving you, but he says that he should like it a thousand times better than perhaps having to go into some humdrum office in England. "'Thank you, Tom,' Mrs. Brooks said with a sigh. "'It will be very hard to part with him, terribly hard, but I see that it is by far the best thing for him, and, as you say, in a monetary way it will be a relief to me. I think I can manage very comfortably on the pension, in some quiet place at home with the two girls, but Stanley's schooling would be a heavy drain. I might even manage that, for I might earn a little money by painting, but there would be the question of what to do with him when he left school, and without friends or influence it will be hopeless to get him into a good situation. You see, Herbert's parents have both died since he came out here, and though he was distantly related to the Earl of Netherley, he was only a second cousin or something of that kind, and knew nothing about the family, and of course I could not apply to them. Certainly not, Nellie, her brother agreed. There is nothing so hateful as posing as a poor relation, and that is a connection rather than a relationship. Then you will leave the boy in my hands. I am sure that it will be best, she said with a tremor in her voice, and at any rate I shall have the comfort of knowing that he will be well looked after. Mrs. Brooke was the widow of a captain in one of the native regiments of the East India Company. He had six weeks before this been carried off suddenly by an outbreak of cholera, and she had been waiting at Calcutta in order to see her brother before sailing for England. She was the daughter of an English clergyman who had died some seventeen years before. Nellie, who was then eighteen, being motherless as well as fatherless, had determined to sail for India. A great friend of hers had married and gone out a year before. Nellie's father was at that time in bad health, and her friend had said to her at parting, "'Now mind, Nellie, I have your promise.' that if you should find yourself alone here you will come out to me in India. I shall be very glad to have you with me, and I don't suppose you will be on my hands very long. Pretty girls don't remain single many months in India. So, seeing nothing better to do, Nellie had, shortly after her father's death, sailed for Calcutta. Lieutenant Brooke was also a passenger on board the Ava, and during the long voyage he and Nellie Pearson became engaged, and were married from her friend's house a fortnight after their arrival. Nellie was told that she was a foolish girl, for that she ought to have done better, but she was perfectly happy. The pay and allowances of her husband were sufficient for them to live upon in comfort, and though when the children came there was little to spare, the addition of pay when he gained the rank of captain was ample for their wants. They had been, in fact, a perfectly happy couple. Both had bright and sunny dispositions, and made the best of everything, and she had never had a serious care until he was suddenly taken away from her. Stanley had inherited his parents' disposition, and, as his sisters, coming so soon after him, occupied the greater portion of his mother's care, he was left a good deal to his own devices, and became a general pet in the regiment, and was equally at home in the men's lines and in the officers' bungalows. The native language came as readily to him as English, and by the time he was ten he could talk in their own tongue with the men, from the three or four different districts from which the regiment had been recruited. His father devoted a couple of hours a day to his studies. He did not attempt to teach him Latin, which would, he thought, be altogether useless to him, 
but did give him a thorough grounding in English and Indian history, and arithmetic, and insisted upon his spending a certain time each day in reading standard English authors. Tom Pearson, who was five years younger than his sister, had come out to India four years after her. He was a lad full of life and energy. As soon as he left school, finding himself the master of a hundred pounds, the last remains of the small sum that his father had left behind him, he took a second-class passage to Calcutta. As soon as he had landed, he went round to the various merchants and offices, and finding that he could not, owing to a want of references, obtain a clerkship, he took a place in the store of a Parsee merchant who dealt in English goods. Here he remained for five years, by which time he had mastered two or three native languages, and had obtained a good knowledge of business. He now determined to start on his own account. He lived hardly, saving up every rupee not needed for actual necessities, and at the end of the five years he had in all a hundred and fifty pounds.